Well, did you come today for a positive, uplifting, encouraging message? You got to come back next week then. Because <laughs> this, I got to warn you, is a rough one. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. And here's the thing. Peter is warning the church that, listen, not everybody that claims they have a message from God has a message from God. So if you remember two weeks ago, Peter was was letting them know, listen, the scripture, is, is, is it came from God. Yes, he used men to write it, but behind those men was the mind of God. And he, he says, it's, it's, look, these are eyewitness. He says, I'm an eyewitness of these things. But even more important than that, he said, we have, we have a more sure word of prophecy that the Bible predicted things that would happen, not just one or two, but dozens and dozens and dozens of prophecies that the Bible said would happen, and they happened. And he's saying, you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible. And he says it came from holy men that God used to write it. But now he's going to say, listen, holy men of God, they bring you a message from God. But there are false prophets and false teachers that bring a message that didn't come from the mind of God. And, and they're preaching this for their own selfish motives, their own selfish gain. And the whole chapter of chapter 2, he's warning them about that. Because the reality is this, if you have something that's valuable, if you have something that is meaningful, you got to defend it. you got to defend it. And this is what Peter's warning them. Listen, not everybody that claims they have a message from God has a message from God. He says, but there were false prophets among the people. Even there also will be false teachers among you. He says, look, they're going to be among you. They're going to slip in. They're going to look like they're part of the church. They're going to be deceptive. And, and, it, and he's even going to talk about they're popular because he says many are going to follow after them. And he's warning them, just like in the Old Testament, there were false prophets. There were prophets that said they had a word from God, but it wasn't from God. He says there's false teachers also, and they're going to preach a message that is not from God. He says he, he uses strong language here. He says it's damnable heresies. Heresies. This is things that are untrue. These are things that undermine, that contradict God. Things that undermine and contradict the word of God. Now, unfortunately, we use, and, and I'm, when I say we, I mean generally speaking, I'm not saying you specifically are guilty of this, but we in society today, in, especially in like the church culture and church world, we use that term way too loosely. See, heresy is when someone disagrees with God, not just when someone disagrees with you. There's a big difference, right? It's a... False teachers are going to bring in heresies that are undermining God and undermining his word. What they're going to do, and so you hear, you hear me um, use this as an example often, right? The close-handed issues are things we clearly see in the word of God. See, Paul, Paul talked about the, the things delivered of first importance. Look, everything's important, but there's some things that are really, really important. And when it comes to who is Jesus, when it comes to the, the reliability of God's word, that God's word is true, when it comes to things that we see clearly taught in scripture, that's close-handed. And we can't, we can't budge on those things. 
What heretics like to do is they like to pull things out of that closed hand that the Bible clearly teaches, and they try to cast doubt on it. They try to say, well, we can't really know what the Bible says. Well, yeah, I mean, times have changed. Times have changed. We just need to adapt to what our culture says. And they want to pull things out of the closed hand and make everything an open-handed issue. But then on the other hand, you have legalists who they want to take just things that either sometimes they're not even in Scripture or sometimes it's just a little bit vague. And they want to take that and put it in a closed hand and they want everybody to adhere to exactly what they want them to adhere to. Otherwise, they use terms like heretic, false teacher, right? Well, a false teacher isn't someone that just disagrees with you on things that aren't clearly taught in Scripture. So we need to, we need to be careful how we use that term because it can lose the effectiveness if we just think everybody that disagrees is a heretic and a false teacher. No, there's actually, and here's the thing, like sometimes it's preferential things or stylistic things. And then other times it's actually things in the word of God, but it's things that aren't as clear. It's just for whatever reason, God has given us the information that he's given to us on, on those things. And there are good orthodox believers who, ad, who adhere to the, who Jesus is, that he's, he is God come in the flesh. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You're saved by faith alone, not by our works. The Bible is infallible. The Bible is the word of God. That's our authority. You have believers that agree on those things. Jesus was born of a virgin. It's the blood of Christ that saves us. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. Jesus is coming again, right? Christians, you have, they agree on those things, but on more secondary things that aren't super clear in scripture, they come to a different conclusion. And what I'm simply saying is this, there are some things that I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying we shouldn't study them. I'm not saying we shouldn't debate them in a friendly family environment and context, but we can still recognize and be gracious and charitable that someone can be a genuine believer who loves the Lord, who knows Jesus, who affirms the Bible as God's word, and come to a little different conclusion than us on some of those things, right? Those people are not heretics. Those people are not false teachers. And when we use those terms too loosely, it takes away really the meaning of the word, right? A heretic is someone that, pre that has the wrong God and the wrong gospel. Has the wrong God and the wrong gospel. And this is what Peter is warning the church of. He's saying they've come in. They've brought heresies, damnable heresies. And he says because of that, they're bringing swift destruction upon themselves. He says that they are, they're denying the Lord that bought them. Denying the Lord that bought them. So this is important to know because some people will read uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. And their conclusion is this, that there are those who are believers at one time who then apostatize. They deny later in life Jesus. They deny, the, they deny Christ. And, it, and, and there's some that are of the persuasion that this is talking about people that one time were genuine believers and now they're not believers anymore. But I don't think that's what Peter's talking about. I think Peter's clearly saying, look, they're denying the Lord that bought them. 
It's not that he bought them in the sense of they were saved and they, by faith, trusted in Christ as their Savior. I think he's talking about, in a general sense, look, Christ died for them, shed his blood for them, but they're denying him. He bought them in the sense of Christ purchased their their salvation when it, the Bible talks about how he died for the sins of the world. But we're not universalists. Not everybody makes it. And I think Peter's saying here, look, they're actually denying the Lord. They're not a genuine believer. They're not a genuine believer. And he says, in fact, they're going to bring swift destruction to themselves because they're following these heresies. He says, look, sometimes they're popular, though. Because he says in verse 2, many shall follow their pernicious or just their deadly evil ways. That's what that word means. They're following their evil ways. He says, by reason whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Listen, sometimes false teachers can be popular. Sometimes they can have a big following. Sometimes they can be trending on social media. Sometimes they can gather large crowds. Now, that's not saying anybody who's popular or has a large platform is a false teacher. No, there's some really great, faithful Bible teachers who have a large platform and audience. And we should celebrate that. We should rejoice with that. We should thank God for them. And, and I, for one, am thankful for a lot of good teaching and a lot of good content by people, people that are popular. It's how... We find out about them for the most part and, and can filter what they're saying through the word of God. But just, just because they're popular doesn't mean they're wrong. But just because they're popular doesn't mean they're right either. He says, look, many are going are gonna to follow them. But yet they're preaching a gospel. They're preaching a gospel that's not the gospel we see in scripture. And, and really today, I think one of the biggest heresies out there is that there's no heresy. It's like every, everything's just unclear and muddied and and you know yeah i know the bible says this but you know we we're in a different era and a different time and god's working differently and it welcome to pro progressive christianity right that tries to undermine what god has said tries to undermine who jesus is and that's dangerous we we can't fall prey to that and in a sense it's like I know there's different arguments today than in Peter's day, but for the most part, it's just repackaged. It's people undermining the scripture, undermining God's word, undermining who Jesus is, that creating a God in their own mind, creating a God that, that, that they themselves have, have, have in their own mind created. We see that same thing today. And while we need to be charitable and gracious towards people that may not come to every single conclusion we do on things that are unclear in scripture. We also need to know that the truth is worth defending. And the things we can clearly see in scripture, we need to know that we have an enemy that wants to undermine that and wants to shake your confidence and my confidence in God and his word. And Peter's warning, listen, listen, there's, there's gonna be false prophets. They're gonna preach da a dangerous message he says it's, it's heresy, it's, it's untrue, it's untrue. We see today, what are people trying to do? They're saying, well, we need to just tolerate every sin that's out there. We need to be loving and tolerate it. Well, actually, God's word says something different. God's word says that we need to repent of sin, not celebrate and embrace sin, amen? 
Now, does that mean that we're ugly and, and mean and cruel? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we need to know, listen, the truth is worth defending. That something that's valuable is going to be under attack. And Peter's warning the church. He's saying, look, sometimes they're popular. Sometimes they're going to be among you and many are going to follow them. But now he's going to reveal their motive. He says their motive is covetousness. Verse 3, he says that they're going to use feigned words or fake words. That word feigned in the Greek is plastos, the word we get plastic from. It's, it's manufactured. It's not the real thing is what he's saying. He says their words are, are feigned, they're fake. It's not the real thing. It might sound good. They might even use some of the same terminology, but their definitions are way different, is what Peter's saying. He's like, and because of that, they're, they're going to bring judgment on themselves in damnation. In other words, he's saying, listen, God's not going to play around with them. That God, yes, is loving. Yes, is gracious. But there comes a point when God's going to deal with with sin. And in this point, he says God's going to deal with the false teachers. And he gives some examples. He gives the example um, of, first of all, the angels that were kicked out of heaven. So Satan at one time was an angel in heaven, but he rebelled against God and he was kicked out of heaven and he didn't fall alone. He took angels with him. He took demons with him. And while I don't think that, I think sometimes uh, as believers and, and certain, um, uh, certain uh, sects of believers, I think that we can maybe um, blame things on Satan and demons like just we blame everything on it. You know, well, may, maybe it's, you know, not always Satan and demons, but we can also be the other end of the spectrum. We can be naive and not realizing there's spiritual warfare out there. Satan and demons are at work. Satan was kicked out of heaven. The angels were kicked out of heaven because they rebelled against God. Because of their pride, they rebelled against God. And Peter's saying, look, the, these false teachers, God's not playing around with them. Look at the, the angels. They were kicked out of heaven. Some of them are re reserved in chains of darkness. Now, there's different theories on that. Um, and, and we won't get into that because if we did, I'd go way over like I did the first service. I'm not going to do that to you. The point is, P Peter said, look, God, God kicked them out of heaven. Then he says, another case study is Noah. He says, Noah was the eighth person that was saved. He was a preacher of righteousness. What did God do? God destroyed the whole world with a flood because the heart of man was continually doing evil. It got so bad in Noah's day that God destroyed the world. Now, God offered a way to escape. Noah preached. Noah preached a preacher of righteousness. But only eight people escaped. Now, here's the thing. Like, I, you guys hear this sometimes, but I, and I hear this a lot. You know, when people are maybe trying to undermine the Bible or they're, they're trying to stump you with things, they'll sometimes point to the the Old Testament of why did, in, in the conquest of, of the Israelites, why did they go through and conquer these nations? And why did God allow that? And they'll, they'll kind of point to that. They'll call God a, a moral monster, right? I'm always surprised that they don't point to the flood. I mean, that was a time when God destroyed the whole world except for eight people. 
And the reality is this. God, yes, is merciful and loving and gives a way to escape, but God also is going to deal and judge sin. And how many times do we hear people complaining about, why doesn't God stop evil? Why doesn't God deal with evil? Well, then we look at the examples of the times where God does in a very, very powerful way. And then people complain about, well, why would, why would God do that? Well, the, the reality is this. God, our creator, does have the right to judge. And I know people don't want to hear that and don't like that. And that's not a popular message. And I'm not portraying God as, as only evil and just. Like, no, God is actually pure and holy. That's why he does judge. But he's also merciful. And just like in Noah's day, he said, look, Noah, preach. Noah, preach. Preach to the, give people a chance to escape the coming judgment. Peter's saying, look, God judged the angels that rebelled. God judged the wickedness in Noah's day. God judged the wickedness in Lot's day. So Lot was in the city Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And these cities were really, really evil. Just continual evil. I mean, just every kind of sexual perversion that you can imagine. I mean, it got really, really bad. And God said, look, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their evil, for their sin. But yet God made a way for Lot to escape. Now, yet literally the angels had to come and drag him out. But God provided a way out. And in fact, he says, look, the Lord knows how to deliver uh, the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under the day of judgment and punishment. And he's saying, listen, the false teachers that are preaching heresy, that are leading people astray, to, to, to follow after untrue things that God has not said. Peter's saying God's going to judge them. God's going to deal with them. I told you this was a really uplifting, encouraging message today. <laughs> it gets worse. He says, but chiefly, them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness, they despise government, they're presumptuous, they're self-willed. He says, the angels which are greater in power, they don't bring rattling accusation against them before the Lord. He's saying, look, the angels, not the fallen angels here, but the angels in heaven, like as powerful as they are, he says, they're not, they're not so arrogant as to go against God. So these false teachers are very prideful and arrogant. While it seems like they start out very covert, they get brazen and arrogant in their rebellion against God. He goes on, he says that they're going to see, receive the reward of unrighteousness. Because they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. He says spots they have, their blemishes, they're deceiving while they feast with you. He's describing now these false teeth. These are evil people. They are what we would call wolves in sheep's clothing. And here's the thing. These people can even be in a place and a position of authority and leadership within a church. It's not something we like to talk about. It's not something we like to bring up. But we have to address it because we're seeing this. We're seeing this all the time. And I say this actually not to make light of it. I say this to actually draw attention to it. But it's nothing new, right? This is what Peter says. This is going on. We see this today in our church. Now, let me differentiate. Listen, 
there's no such thing as a perfect church or a perfect pastor. And you guys know me, right? I don't have to convince you of that. You know that. The more you know me, it's probably like, yeah, he's not that special. He's just an average person, right? Look, I'm a sinner being sanctified, and so are you. So I'm not talking about, oh, as pastors and churches, we're never going to sin. But there's a difference, right? There's a difference between someone being imperfect, being sanctified by the grace of God, and we have a long way to go, amen? But there's a difference between that and someone who is literally a wolf trying to prey on people for selfish ulterior motives and they use the title pastor they use the title teacher they come under the guise of a believer within the church peter says this they have eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin and here it is they're beguiling that's deceiving or tricking unstable souls that there are those out there that claim to be a leader within a church and you know what they're doing they're actually preying on vulnerable people p-r-e-y not p-r-a-y they're praying they're taking advantage of unstable people look this is a heavy topic i i know it's you know if, if we didn't preach verse by verse through books of the bible i wouldn't pick this one but it's something we have to address because we see that and also we need to know this maybe you yourself have experienced this within a church where man it really shook your confidence not necessarily in god like it didn't cause you to say oh i don't believe in god anymore but it really just shook your confidence within the church and in within maybe pastors because you had someone that portrayed one thing but then you found out for years and years they were living a double life they were hypocritical again i'm not talking about perfect pastors that never that never sin i'm talking about people who are actually using a position to try to manipulate people peter's saying that's what these false teachers do their eyes are full of adultery and some think well it's talking more in the spiritual sense i mean if you look at the description of these people i think it's both they're literally taking advantage of people in ways that they shouldn't and here's the thing we see this happening in some of the mainline denominations you know within the catholic church and not to just pick on the catholic church because if you recall i mean just within the last year big scandals coming out in the southern baptist convention and in, even in non-denominational churches, or like what we are, we're an unaffiliated Baptist church. Like, you see that happening, where there's things that, there's people in a position, and they use that to deceive people. They use that to take advantage of people, and then other people find out about it, and they just sweep it under the rug. And honestly, it's a horrible testimony for Christianity. A horrible testimony for for the cause of christ and you kind of can see i'm not saying it's an excuse but you can kind of see where why people are maybe distrusting of the church why people are distrusting of pastors or or christian leaders because we see that we see i mean there was a whole documentary that came out this last spring and summer about the hillsong church and you just see things like very popular and you just see, wow, 
how disappointing that that is to find out that, yeah, they might have said some good things. They might have used terminology that sounded like they were believers. But you see that ultimately their motive is revealed. It's heavy. Not something we like to talk about and think about. But Peter's saying, listen, this is what false teachers do. And he's saying, listen, be aware. I don't think that means we go around and we're just like suspicious of everyone. But I think we need to use discernment. I think we need to know that, okay, just because someone, you know, says certain things that sound good, it doesn't mean they're a genuine believer. Look, maybe you yourself have experienced that from someone that claimed to be a Christian. And that is just shaken your confidence. But may I just say this in defense of the church, in defense of, of Christian leaders, just because there's counterfeits doesn't mean there's not the real thing. Doesn't mean there's not imperfect, but genuine churches in pastors. In fact, remember Jesus when he's commissioning his disciples. He tells them, look, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is a fake. One of you is a phony. But you know what Jesus tells them? He uses commission language. He says, go out. You're going to preach. And if they refuse you, shake the dust off of your feet and move on. He's saying, just because there is a phony, just because there's someone that's not genuine. He says, that should not affect you and hinder you from going out and genuinely following Christ and genuinely doing ministry. And the same thing I would say to our church and maybe for you that have experienced that or maybe you've seen that firsthand and it's just shaken you and it's and, 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 and you're you really caused you to question a lot of things. Listen, just because there's counterfeit doesn't mean there's not the real thing. In fact, how do you know what's counterfeit? By studying the real thing, by handling the real thing. And Peter's saying, listen, there are people out there that their motive is evil. Their motive is evil. Their eyes are full of adultery. They can't cease from sin. They just have such a perverted mind. And it says they've forsaken the right way and they're gone astray. He says, following in the way of Balaam. So he's going to use an Old Testament example. So the story of Balaam. Here's, here's the story of Balaam, right? Balaam is a prophet of God, but he's being bribed by a pagan king, Balak, who's saying, listen, I want you to curse the people of God. He said, I want to stop the, stop, uh, the people of God. The, the pagan king was like, I'm going to hire Balaam, a prophet, to, to curse them, to discourage them. And Balaam said, how can I curse the people God has blessed? Well, Balak kept adding zeros to that check, right? Balak kept adding the, the price higher and higher. And finally, Balaam sells out. Balaam sells out. And he's going to go and curse the people of God. God literally shows up in the middle of the road to stop him. The angel of the Lord, which is called a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, literally stops him on the road. Balaam doesn't see it, but his donkey does. And the donkey stops in the middle of the road. Well, Balaam loses it. He's impatient. He starts beating the donkey and cursing the donkey. And finally, finally, God miraculously opens the mouth of the donkey and lets the donkey speak, right? To get his attention. Now, listen. 
You've probably heard people arguing against Christianity mock the Bible and say, oh, you believe in talking snakes and, and talking donkeys. No, I mean, well, in these instances, right? It's called a miracle, right? God who created the universe, who created the laws that govern the universe. Well, if he created it, he can supersede it at times to work miracles. So I don't have a problem believing that God can work miracles, but that's just it. It's a miracle. It doesn't happen all the time. We don't witness it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. But the point is this. God showed up and stopped them. And finally, the donkey spoke to Balaam to get his attention. It, but, but, but the point Peter's making is, listen, there's some of these people, they're, they're going in that way of Balaam. They're doing what they're doing. They're, they're, they're speaking a word that God didn't speak. But they're doing it for ulterior motive. They're doing it for this. Or they're doing it for some evil sexual gratification. They're doing it for ulterior motives. And he's saying that's what these false teachers are doing. That's what they're doing. He says their wells, verse 17. They're wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. That's pretty harsh. But again, these are people who are purposely deceiving. These are people who are purposely manipulating. Not someone that stumbles and falls into sin. Someone that is purposely deceiving. They are purposely, they know they're a wolf and they're leading people astray. And he says they're useless. They're like a well with no water. They're like rain clouds. Imagine, imagine like in, sometimes in the summer when, when, when we go weeks and weeks without rain. And you see the rain clouds and you think, yes, rain's coming. We need this rain. And it's like, he's like, they're like that, but only they don't have rain. They're, they're useless, right? They might have the appearance rain's coming, but they don't have any rain in them. He's saying these teach their wells without water. They're clouds with no rain. They're, they're, they're useless. He says, they speak great swelling words of vanity and they allure through the lust of the flesh. He says, they're through much wantonness, they're clean escape from those who live in error. He says, while they're promising liberty, they themselves, they're the servants of corruption, of whom a man is overcome, the same as he brought into bondage. So Peter is warning the church. He says, listen, I want you to have confidence in the word of God. It came from holy men, it came from true prophets of God who are speaking a word from God. But he said, also, there's counterfeits. Beware. Don't, don't be naive. Don't be naive into thinking that there's not some people who have an ulterior motive. They're doing it not for God, not for you. They have selfish motives. They have selfish motives. And now it gets even tougher because these verses are tough to wrestle with. But we're not going to skip them. Let's look at them. He says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. He says, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to know, to have known the way of righteousness than after they've known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. He says, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is returned to his own vomit again. Very appetizing, right? Right before lunch. 
and the sow or the pig that was washed returns to the mire or returns to go back into the mud. So in all fairness, can you see why these verses, some people come to the conclusion that, listen, someone who is a genuine believer at one time in their life, they can actually become an apostate. They can actually deny Christ and no longer be a believer. Now, that's not what he's talking about. But can you at least, in all fairness, though, out of respect and love for, for Scripture, can we at least see where, like, you know, people aren't coming up with this just out of the blue. There's passages like this that sure seem to indicate that someone can be a believer and then they can apostate and turn from being a believer. And I don't think that's what Peter's saying, though. I think Peter's saying, listen... These were never true believers. Even though, even though that they escaped from the pollution of the world through the knowledge of Christ, I think what he's saying is, look, they've changed their environment. They've even come and they experienced some of the blessings within the church. They've experienced some escape from some of the things that are out in the world. They have some knowledge of Christ, but I don't think it's a saving knowledge because he says, listen, they're actually a dog or a pig. And those are not compliments, right? Keep in mind, I know you, I, I know you guys love your dogs, right? I know that. I know you love your, but don't think about your little pet dog right now. This is not a compliment. In this culture, a dog was a scavenger. It carried diseases. Nobody wanted a dog for a pet in these times. So don't think about your pet dog that you love and, and sleep with and all that. Like, right? Like, think about, like, in this context, like a scavenger, a dog, a pig. He's saying what happens is the dog's going to return to its own vomit. Sorry to bring that up again. <laughs> Aren't you hungry for lunch? It's like the pig that gets clean, but it's going to go right back into the mud. He's saying is because there's not been a new nature. These are people, maybe they've escaped some of the pollution and corruption of the world through Christ. Like in the sense of they've escaped some of the effects out in the world. They have a certain safety and even a certain blessing from being in the church. But it seems like what Peter's saying, though, is they were never truly a believer. To quote the Apostle John, he says, why is it that there's some that go out and depart from the faith? He said they, they were a part of us for a while, but he says they went out. And he says the reason they did is because they were never truly of us, and that's why they didn't remain. Now, some people absolutely butcher that context and they try to guilt people if they ever you know leave a church ah see they weren't really a christian well it's not talking about leaving a particular local church it's talking about departing from the faith departing from and, he's, and john the apostle says the reason they did is because they were never truly of us they were never truly a believer and so i think what peter's saying here I think it's consistent and I think it's fair when you look at all of Scripture and let it speak and also within the context here. I think it's fair to say what Peter's referring to is not someone who is a genuine believer. 
but someone had the appearance of being a believer. They might have even escaped some of the things out in the world and the corruption of the world and for a season of time enjoyed some of the protection and blessings of the church. But he said they weren't really a believer and that's why they're going to return to their own vomit. That's why they're going to return right back to the mire. It's a heavy portion of scripture. I know I keep saying that, but it's something though we don't want to ignore. These warning passages are here for a reason. And so in application, I, I ask you a couple questions. First of all, if you know the Lord and trust the Lord as your Savior, I don't, I don't bring this up to try to cause you to doubt that. Because if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Spirit of God has given you new life. You have a, a righteous standing before God. That the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from sin. That you have a righteous standing before God. That Jesus Christ's righteousness has been credited to your account. Amen? And nothing can take you from that. That Jesus even said in, in John chapter 6, that, that those that, that are drawn by the Father, and in the context, they by faith trust Christ, he says they will be raised up on the last day. That gives us confidence that our salvation is not based on what we do to achieve and how we perform, right? It's, it's in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I don't want you, I don't say this to cause you to doubt, but it is very sober and serious to ask you this question. Are you a genuine believer? Maybe you've even experienced, and I'm not calling you a false teacher, I'm, I'm just making an application here. But maybe you've experienced maybe some of the protection or even blessings of being around the church and around people. But you haven't genuinely turned to Jesus Christ for salvation. Today, we, we want you to, by faith, trust in him as your savior. We want you to come to that saving faith in Jesus Christ. We want you to know him, not in just a, a, a head knowledge, but a true, genuine heart knowledge. And come to know him as your Lord and savior. And for those that know him as your savior, I think it's important that we know that not everybody out there that claims they're a believer, not everyone out there that claims they have a message from God has a message from God. And I don't say that, that we need to be uh, cynical and like suspicious of everyone, but we do need to be wise and discerning. And we do need to filter what people say through the word of God. And, and by the way, that goes... For me and whoever's even preaching here, like, while I genuinely want to preach God's word and preach it accurately and preach it truthfully, I'm not infallible in the sense that I'm right about every single interpretation. I want to try to interpret it and teach it consistently. But I say that to say filter everything I say through the word of God, just like you will filter any teacher, any Bible teacher through what God's word says. And listen, if you're here today, maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've only been coming for a little bit. But maybe God right now is speaking to you because you're not a genuine believer in the sense that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what I mean by that is this. You're depending upon maybe some religious activity, some, some good, good righteous works that you've done. Maybe even you think, well, hey, man, I've been coming to church, Joel. Like, that's got to count for something. Well, no, those are righteous works that will never save us. 
We're saved by believing, by putting our trust, not in our works, but putting our trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And when you by faith trust in him and you call upon him to be your Lord and Savior, something happens inside. Something happens. The Holy Spirit of God gives you new life and he changes your desires. It doesn't mean you don't struggle with sin still. It doesn't mean there can't be temptations that are still out there, but he gives you new desires. He changes you. And I ask you this question. It's a personal one. And I ask you to think about this. Have you experienced that change? Have you experienced those new desires? And if not, we need to talk. I want to pray with you. And I want to answer maybe questions that you might have about that. The last couple of weeks, I've had just really awesome conversations with people that are just having questions about what does that mean? What is salvation? And I don't know if I truly have a personal relationship with Christ. And I'd love to have that conversation with you if you have questions about that. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word.